Blog Talk Radio. There it is again, ladies and gentlemen. It is <laughs> Blog Talk Radio. And I'm hanging out with a hoodlum today. Put those shades back on there. <laughs> no, I'm going to put them on because it's going gonna, it's gonna to carry some weight in our message today, Deb. How are you doing, sweet girl? Well, you know what? I'm doing fine. I love having my favorite partner on the air with me. And um, I have to be careful the rest of the world doesn't hear that. But, hey, we're on here daily. We better be favorites, otherwise we're in deep due on five day schedule. This is your we host, would, but we wouldn't be here if our chemistry wasn't absolutely amazing. Either, so we're good. <laughs> That's right. So this is your host, Dr. Deb Carlin, and uh, this is the K Factor, where K equals kindness, and the factors are all the things that lead to it. This is the Daily Show. It's the kindest thing in the world that I can do is bring you the Daily Show with Mr. Ron Williams. The dude with the cap, the dude behind the shade, <laughs> the dude behind the goatee. <laughs> so goatee. <laughs> hey, I just got a text that we're 10 minutes behind on our other one, so we're good for a bit here. So awesome. Well, All right. Hi, Deb. Uh, thank you so much. Yep. And what a beautiful day it is. It's starting to cool down. I live in a place where everything about this place I live is absolutely stunning. Yeah. The only downside is in the summertime, it gets so freaking hot that you just you feel like a reptile for about two months here. But uh, today it's cooling down and we can feel it, and which means we're going to have like four months of bliss right uh, now. But uh, you love that? Yeah, it's going to be absolutely stunning. Make perfect weather, 75 to 80, perfectly blue skies. Uh, it's just going to be that way. And then the wintertime gets mild, like maybe 55 to 60, you know, kind of a thing. So it's going to be a beautiful several months ahead. Well, I'm excited to be on because I was uh, kind of reading through some of the news. It was, it was ironic because I, typically every morning when I look at my news feed, which yeah. I do, yeah. probably not the smartest thing to do, but I do it anyways because there's always something that intrigues me. But this morning was the first time I had a news feed all the way down that did not have anything on the coronavirus. No way. And I was like, huh. So I did a little digging, like, why? Because I've been pounded by 14 of them a day. You know? Yeah, right. Like, the sky is falling, and every and every time a, a celebrity dies, it's, it had to be the disease. And, and it was like a brochure for the perpetuators of this whole thing. And, and so I was like, man, what happened? So I went and looked, and I guess in the last couple of few days, the CDC corrected their numbers where 160,000 people roughly have died with COVID, but only 6,000 people died of COVID. And Thank you. That, that all of a sudden just gave me the biggest smile and the biggest spark because all along I never underestimated the actual you know, disease itself. But what I, was, what I was questioning was, look, why is everyone quarantining? Why aren't just the people at risk quarantining? Because those other 160,000 people are people who had pre-existing conditions right. that COVID caused complications in their cancer or, 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 right? Right, right. So, and by the way, that's how all disease combining goes. Exactly. They all work that way. Yep. So, I mean, it's just common sense. So the norm is people who are sick or who are, who are, uh, preconditioned, they should be quarantined. The rest of us should be out there covering for them. You know? Very good way to put it. We need to carry the water when those people who are too compromised can't. Yes. 
so I posted on my Facebook this morning, and I got a couple people that were, you know, they wanted to clarify that these were, there was, you know, that remember other people got it with their cancer. Well, other people get pneumonia or flu or whatever. That's you right. know, there's all kinds of things that happen. But the, the bottom line is, it's six thousand deaths. And by the way, one is one too many. Yeah. The bottom line is, is that enough to shut down a world economy? Yes. Oh right. my word. Yes. Good for you. I'm really thrilled that you did that because I'll tell you what, I am so charged up about this. I saw a flash of something either on the TV or the computer yesterday, and I've been trying to find it where the World Health Organization has come out and changed their mind about a number of things, and CDC has come out and changed their mind about a, diff- about a number of different things. Well, excuse me, hello, you know, knocking on the door of reality after you have freaked out the entire flipping world. Children are terrified, the elderly are terrified, and all of us in the middle, we're just annoyed. And you know what? I don't like being annoyed. It puts this line in between my eyebrows that says I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a position of discernment way too much of the time. And it's really making me mad. I mean, it's really made me, I'm mad now. <laughs> yeah, I, I said in my post that this is despicable, you know, yes. and, it, you know, that in my opinion, it was a campaign trail. That's what this was. So now yes. the campaign trail has been narrowed down to racial divide yep. and hating and burning things. I mean, yes. that's, un- unfortunately, that's kind of what I'm seeing. I, I've still yet to hear an amazing vision for the left. I, I mean, and don't get me wrong, I, I don't think defending either presidential candidate no. is, is, is the winning uh, the winning ticket. I think it's a lost cause. That's not what I we're here to do, but we're right, here to talk. It's, yeah, it's here to discuss it and say, well, what agenda do we subscribe to? Because the agenda that I'm seeing play out scares the living daylights out of me. Me too. Well, I'll tell you what, Ron, here's the thing. I've been saying since the very beginning of when this little bug came to visit us from uh, China that I was not afraid of the germ. I'm not stupid. You know, I know biology. I, I know I worked in laboratories. I'm a scientist. People say, Oh, a psychologist, excuse me. I'm a scientist in the hard sciences first. And if you think that psychology is fluff, well then your mindset and your love factor don't mean anything and neither does fear to you. So, Go ahead, try to convince anybody of that one. The point is, I, I have never been afraid of germs. What I am afraid of is people's reaction to them. And in this case, what I kept writing about, talking about, and, and pitching is be careful because it is not the coronavirus that's going to kill our, our culture and kill people. What's going to kill people by their own hand and by their own anxiety and their own fear is that the social psychological implications of this coronavirus, excuse me, it's called COVID-19 because we've had 18 other versions of it. We know something about what we're doing here. (laughs) You know, people forget that. And then, you know, think that I'm a smart aleck and I'm somehow cavalier. I'm not a smart aleck. Well, I am a smart aleck, but I'm not cavalier about anything. But what I am is when you are a professional world leader organization, you better have your act together you better not be for sale on the opinions that you put forth and the policies you create. I was on the I was on the World Health Organization site today, and they're and they've got these different links that you can click on, Ron. And they're saying, so here's how you 
Here's how you wear a mask. Here's when you wear a mask. Children should not be wearing masks when they're outside. They should be playing, you know, stay, and, and they should not be wearing masks when they're exercising because, so that they can breathe. Really? Do you think that you could have said that maybe months and months and months ago? But then they talk about cleaning your mask. Excuse me. You're not supposed to clean them. They have caca in them. It's the face diaper like we identified last conversation. So then, they, then they're showing, you know, they should be made under standardized conditions. Then they have a video I click, I click on. It's some lady sitting in her house sewing masks out of her old fabric T-shirt. And I'm thinking, how is this standardized? What do we know about that fabric or her house or her hands? Or, you know, the whole thing is nuts. And it can't well, be. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It can't be. It can, we need to get rid of the nuts, the nuttiness of it. It's insanity. Well, I love that you are science-driven and that you're really academic and smart that way. But here's where I noticed. Here's where I started questioning and doubting. Okay. And using my, you know, we all have that sixth sense of intuition. But when the COVID-19 came out, it already had a logo. And then all of a sudden, it's being patented, you know, in 2005. And then the the vaccine's being patented in 2015. And and I'm like, wait a minute, it's got a logo already? Then I I saw a mainstream news, CNN, post, these people went to the beach today in Florida without a mask. Who's going to wear a mask to the beach? You know, that's when I said BS. Yeah. And, and I just kind of, I knew that I, I'm not downgrading what it is. I'm downgrading what it's been made out to be. Yes, you and me both. Now, let me tell you two things about the science of the coronavirus. Number one, this virus is surrounded, it's a protein surrounded by, you know how you hear the, um, the uh, M&M commercials? It's a, it's a chocolate surrounded with a hard candy shell. Well, exactly. So exactly, and the and the M and M's are dancing around. So the M, the the Corona ought to be dancing around. It's a it's a hard protein on the inside, and it's got a layer of fat, a lipid, on the exterior, just like the hard candy shell in the M and M. Guess what melts the fat? Heat. So what should you right. do? Get yourself outdoors into the hot sun into the sunshine, and, and, it, and it melts the, the virus, the casing of the virus, and then, and then what do you do with the protein? Well, get this. It is still destructible by drinking hot liquid. So all day, you should drink warm to hot liquid because when it lands in your oral cavity, you don't want it sitting there making you sick and running up into your sinuses and everything. You want to swallow it. Get it down your esophagus, and guess where it lands? In the tummy, where there's hydrochloric acid spurting out onto it, because that's what we do naturally in order to break up everything that we need to have digested. That's why if you don't have anything in there, and you're going crazy, and you're releasing all these chemicals in your mind without any food to digest, you'll end up with an ulcer. So, you know, the, the insanity of this is driving me nuts. People are mad at each other. Friends are mad at each other. People won't go visit each other. You know, people are really, really nervous. And excuse me, 
why is there a correlation between people being afraid to go out and people deciding that they're not going to go to vote? There's a parallel there, folks. And if you don't want to call it a causal relationship, pure science. All right, great. Then you have to expose the causal relationship and you have it be very defined. But I'm telling you, there's a positive correlation. Here we have fear going up. Here we have people saying, I'm not going out of my house to vote. You want to wait in a long line and get the coronavirus just to vote? I would slit my throat to vote. Yes, I'll do anything to vote. Now, I I even trusted the United States Postal Service for over a decade because they've lost my mail repeatedly. I used to love the United States Post Office. So there's a lot of fallacy going on here, and it's hog manure. Okay, can I tell you one other thing now that I'm all jacked up? It's your fault. It was the sunglasses. You're on on the road. Keep going. I'm on fire, man. The corona's burning inside of me. It couldn't possibly live in there. Here's the other thing that's driving me nuts. I had said the biggest fear that I have is also these protesters, haha, rioters, looters, people who have got malintent. They don't have a good cause. They would first go to our commercial districts. Hold on to your shoes, ladies and gentlemen. They're coming to your residential neighborhoods, coming to a theater near you real soon. Guess what's happened over the last two nights? We saw it last weekend. The last two nights, they're out in Washington, D.C., marching through the streets on megaphones at 2 o'clock in the morning when everybody's asleep. Out of your house and into the street. No, no justice, no peace. Out of your house and into the street. We want your house. Really? You want our house? In Chicago, we had two home invasions this weekend of people off on their cars, breaking into homes, and listen to this. So these, these like, 18 to 21-year-old guys are breaking into these homes in lovely suburbs in DuPage County outside of Chicago. And the one guy gets mad and shoots the guy whose house it is, but his partner is standing behind him. So the bullet goes through the man whose home it is and hits his buddy. Now tell me that's not by the grace of God. Great, you shoot your own partner. Great, that's great. Too bad the guy in the middle got shot, but that's how unskillful you are. Well, guess what? (laughs) These guys are bleeding all over the place. They've already, I guess, got records. But anyway, the police have tracked them down, know who they are, and now they're pursuing them and being arrested. And I applauded, literally, sitting here by myself, watching the news, as the DuPage County police are saying, looking right into the camera, you know, eyeball to eyeball, saying, we got a message for everybody out there. You have malintent. You come to DuPage County, we will find you. We will. We will find you. We will arrest you, and you will go into the system with no possible bail. There will be no bond hearing. That's off the charts. You're not doing this. These people are never going to be able to feel relaxed and rest in the safety of their own home again. And that's true. People better wake up and understand there's nobody's house who's safe. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. And I'm still trying to understand the person or persons that are buying into all this and somehow feel safe or they don't want to feel safe. Is it misery wants company? What is it? Because the coronavirus now was a fear 
that many people, they want fear as a means of a back door. They need fear. So they yeah. always have a back door. Right. So what's going on with all this anger and this hate and this instability of uns- being unsafe and people buying into it? I, what is there to buy into there? Well, what I hear is that President Trump is responsible for all the anger and hate, and he's been divisive. Excuse me, I thought that when all this started, it was about a black man, regardless of the fact that he's a felon and a bully, and pulled out a loaded gun in a home invasion to the belly of a pregnant black woman and wanted her to give everything and all that. He still was in a police encounter, and he died. By the way, not at the hands of the police, but in the ambulance, so I'd like to hear about that story. But somehow it started out as a Black Lives Matter movement, and it started out as racial injustice and the need for social justice. Now it's all about President Donald Trump, and he has caused the whole thing, and I guess he invented the coronavirus and brought it here. Get it shipped from China. Yeah, and he killed the economy. Yeah, so we might as well throw it all in there. Yeah, I just, I don't understand, Ron. I'm not, if someone could show me the logic of that, I would like to see, you know, draw it for me on a chart. I'd like to see the logic of it because if President Donald Trump is guilty of that, well, then I will personally call him onto the carpet. I don't know, I, I don't know what carpet, but. I, we'd be talking about that right now, to be honest with you. But here's the thing. Here's the value of having a president who was a successful businessman before becoming in office instead of a candidate who became in office and became a successful businessman. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, right. and his opponent, you know, utilizing the office. When the CDC numbers were coming out, if I, if I recall correctly, I read the news. I read multiple articles on this that Trump and his team asked to audit. The, the, the CDC numbers and audit, you know, these things so that we could really make sure that they're being fact-checked and yes. double-checked. And as a result, this is what came out in the CDC is they fixed their numbers that 6,000 people died of coronavirus, uh, of 6 million people that were tested with it. So, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's there and it is something, but it's not nearly what they've made it out to be. And that's the value of having a president that's used to kind of doing double-checked kind of a thing, you know? Yeah. I'll tell you what, Ron. If my parents were still alive, and God bless them that they're not, I miss them dearly, seriously, literally, every day. But nobody, nobody for any reason would have hijacked my mother or my father out of our homes and taken them and held them hostage in any kind of an extended care facility or hospital. I would have kidnapped them. I would have. I mean, I, you know, when they were alive uh, 10 and 20 years ago, they would end up in the hospital, you know, for falling or having a stroke or something. And as soon as I could, I was breaking them out of there. If they got transferred into a rehab facility, which was a nursing home, I would break them out of there and bring them home. But look at all the people who have died of broken hearts because they couldn't see anybody that they loved except through plastic or glass. And the numbers are wrong, really, seriously. We want to talk about reparations. Who's going, to, who's going to mend all those broken hearts? And there's nothing we can do about the elderly who have, have now transitioned into the afterlife. Yeah. 
you know, it's, it's a really good point. And I, I sit there and think of the people that sadly took their own lives or yes. business, family businesses that kind of went for generations that are no longer. And there's places even in my hometown that were the staples of our community that were held down by a family that are no longer in business anymore. And, and how hard that must be for dad or mom to sit at home with their kids and look them in the eyes and have dinner with them and have that fear rumbling in their belly just because, in my opinion, there was, there was just a, you know, an, an exaggerated fear campaign that went as part of a political campaign, in my opinion, at least. Um, but if a political campaign is anchored with fear, a virus, and racial divide, it's a sign that it's in trouble. It's a huge sign that it's in trouble. You know, I'm, I'm reminded on this topic of a, of a young female physician who took her life early on in this. And, yeah, her fa- you know, and her father wrote and said, my daughter did not have any mental illness, and she was not suffering from depression. She was completely aghast, completely aghast at the, the criminal behavior that was taking place and that she was being mandated to participate in to, to make reports on death certificates and on diagnoses that people had a disease that they did not have and that people were being put on ventilators. You know, we've gotten cavalier about this terminology, like people understand it. A ventilator is life support, and it is an extremely delicate technology. If you don't know exactly, as a pulmonologist, how to deal with that intubation, with that respiratory machine, you can do more damage than letting the person die. So now we have actually found that we have overinflated a lot of people's lungs during the time that they were intubated, and now they've got additional consequences. That's because there was mass hysteria, and they were intubating too fast, and people weren't being monitored and regulated the way that they need to be. You know, the implications of this, Ron Williams, are so far-reaching and so devastating on top of the reality of how are we ever going to clean up our cities, our neighborhoods, our nation. And who's going to tell the story in history books for kids Ah. 20, 30 years from now? Who's going to tell the story? Well, what happened was, I mean, who's going to tell that one? And then people went out and started attacking and police and assaulting innocent people and killing people, but yet they were all wearing a mask. You know, I mean, I'm just, I mean, who's <laughs> going to tell the story? <laughs> you know? Now, I'm starting to think, like, duh, yeah. these masks maybe weren't to protect you from any virus. Maybe they were there to protect your identity while you go out there and stir some out there, in, you know, in the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I've, I've thought that. I've also thought that it was a way to expose our nation to adopt a costume of a group that wants to overthrow our Judeo-Christian nation and wear masks all the time and adopt a Sharia law. Well, that's a good point. Well, it's funny you say that because I think about the immigration conversation where there's this big fight to let people come in here because so many people want to come to America. Why? So they can overthrow the government and become like where they came from? I mean, that's, that's kind of what's freaking me out a little bit. I'm like, well, yeah, people want to come here because we have 
have A, B, C, and E, and, and we have the whole alphabet here. We got right. we have the best of the best. We probably have the worst of the worst. I get it. Polarity always comes in equal equal uh, amounts, right? They, yeah. They always come in equal. Don't expect greatness without great adversity. Don't expect yeah. semi greatness without semi adversity. But right. America is great, and it has great adversity because it deserves that. It merits that. But these people, they they claim they need to come here, but yet once they get here, it's now starting to work against us in in our country because we're about to, you know, we're on the verge of unveiling, you know, typical and and vulnerable, you know, those sorts of things. Well, you know what? One of the things I think, Ron, is I think that people who are wanting to take us away from Judeo-Christian, away from capitalism, I think that what they see here is even if they even if they immigrated here, what they see is a ripeness. You know, ripe for the times. This is the zeitgeist. And I'll tell you another thing. Here's the thing that really I find disturbing is people who I who I know and I like are are asking me, well, but Deb, how could you be opposed to Socialism. Socialism is about giving people services. No, it's not. Capitalism, we're the most capitalistic country that I can think of with freedom. And excuse me, can you tell me another country who gives more away to its own people, to the people who immigrate here, and who go and give things away, everything away? To every other country around the world, we swoop in when everybody else is in trouble. That's capitalism. Don't tell me that you think that we haven't given Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security, Social Security disability, uh, unemployment, you know. Housing, food. The WIC program. I mean, we could go through a long list of services and loveliness of what it is that people get in America. And, you know, so when somebody says to me, you don't believe in these things, why are you doing those things? I just want to own what I earn and not have somebody tell me if I make $100,000 or a million dollars or $100, somebody else is going to tell me how to distribute it. What do you, no, or knock on my door and say, <laughs> how many bedrooms do you have in your home? Well, you know, these people are moving in with you. No. Or we own your car, you you know, and this other person needs it more than you do. No. 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 It's funny because you would think that I would buy into it for my childhood because it strikes me as a time when you're in elementary school, it's time to take that test and you want to sit next to the smartest person in the class. Get, you know, have a socialist test. Um, but, um, but the funny thing is, is that that person studied and earned and, and devoted and committed and, and, and adapted to, to be excellent for that test, and they deserve right. whatever they earn, you know? So I don't know. It's like saying I get a trophy for being on the team. Maybe I didn't even show up half the time, but there was right. a couple of people carrying the team. I don't know. I don't get it, but, um, you know, I, I know that, we can always, here's what I do know. We can always do better. So I don't ever want to talk about things like everything is perfect. No. But I know we can always do better. Always. But man, what is better? Because what got us here 
is historically great. And we can't rest on that. Right. I'm not saying let's rest on that. Right. But let's acknowledge that. Right. And let's find out what things about America got us here so that we can refine and, and, and take those things to greater levels and become even better, more conscientious, more giving, more sharing. Firm believer that when Trump had the economy at its pinnacle right before all yeah, this, right. he could have got up in front of the world and said, hey, a part of Americans, and said, guys, I'm going to do something for the special interest. Oh, yeah, what? I'm going to initiate a special nonprofit, a 501C, whatever it is, yeah. CC, and that 501CC is for those special interest people who are going to get breaks if they do them, but they take care of they allow us to take care of each other, not government to take care of people, because government doesn't really care, and they will always fall short, and it'll put a hole in the ship. It'll put a hole in the American ship if we make government do it. Yeah. But imagine all those people who are, and they're, they're watching maybe. You're passionate about your special interests. Yeah. Well, I was thinking Trump should do that so that the people understand that it's the people who take care of each other. Past administrations, um, past presidential candidates, I won't mention names, Hillary yeah. or Obama. But look, they're not. Obama wasn't a terrible guy, I don't think. But here's the deal: we already have a Red Cross. We already have a Salvation right, Army. Right. They already have CEOs. Right. We need a strong country. Yeah. And in, in, and in this case, no offense, they belong more on the Red Cross trail or the Salvation Army trail, where they can continually distribute and help people who need help. Yeah. But let America create the abundance to do that kind of a thing, because that's what we do. I agree with that. I'll tell you, here's an interesting thing. Um, over the weekend, I got a little restless 